What's good, guys? Welcome back to the Run Free Podcast. This is episode number 68, and today I'm going to be sharing with you guys a little interview I did with Mo, Moath Ekawalde. Mo, my apologies if I just butchered your name, brother. I just call him Mo. <laughs> but he's been up here training with Sarah and I for a lot of months now, like five months, six months. And I thought it'd be really cool to share with you guys a little behind the scenes, what it's, look, what it's like to train with Sarah and myself up here in Flagstaff gives some kind of fun stories, fun insights. And then of course we get into his journey and Mo's just an amazing dude, with amazing heart and the guy can work. And uh, he's running for Jordan, trying to earn himself a spot on the Olympic team right now. So I'm helping prep him for that. So enjoy this interview with Mo. And real quick, just a quick reminder, if you're one of our athletes, looking forward to having you guys July 19th to July 23rd in the mecca of running Flagstaff, Arizona for our free run free camp. So you should be getting an email with a a little schedule and what we're going to be up to during that week. I'm so stoked. It's going to be fun. We're going to be in Sedona. We're going to be in the Grand Canyon. And of course, we'll be up in Flagstaff just getting a lot of hang time, some epic runs, and of course, some teaching and clinic along the way. So anyways, hope you guys are doing well. And thank you for tuning in to the Run Free Podcast. Mo, thanks for joining us on the Run Free Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Oh man, stoked for this conversation. You've been camped up here in Mammoth, training with Sarah and I for a while now. How long have you been in uh, Flagstaff for? Uh, I've been here, that's my second phase for training camp. So the first phase was from October till December, uh, leading up to the Marathon Project. And the second one was, I start from like uh, January till February until maybe until I'm here until the 11th of March. Yeah, let's so. give uh, let's give people a quick sneak peek. So we are gonna get into your story from the marathon project. Yeah. That's a big part of what I want to share with people today. But yeah, <clears throat> what happened at the marathon project in 30 seconds, Mo? That was so interesting. Um, I was running five. 16 pace and um, all of a sudden just the, I, I just started like running 616 pace and um, and I just I've dropped out this is the first time I drop in drop from a race in my entire life yeah so but you're rebounding getting ready for yeah. secret marathon project number two yeah that does not have a name yet yeah. <laughs> but it's coming up in April so yeah. that's what we're getting ready for yeah. but I thought we'd start with I thought people just find it really interesting or at least I find it interesting like thinking about what other training camps are like you know like yeah. I remember when I was in college coming out and you're you know seeing Dina Castor and Meb and yeah. some America's <clears throat> best distance runners like what do these people do in training what's yeah. it like day in and day out yeah. you know like how do these people operate what are they talking about are they like super serious all the time so you know even now curious about other groups what other coaches are doing and stuff so that might be interesting for people to learn a little bit about like what does it look like to train with Sarah and Ryan Flagstaff Arizona yeah. what is that experience like so to start things off what were your ex- expectations like coming out here what did you think training was going to be like um I thought it would be like there'd be like more like the chill training not as like the way i do it back back in princeton or in dc but when i came here i started training like in october and then all of a sudden like i got here the second day he told me we have 20 miles run i was like is he serious <laughs> or he just like think like i am not him like <laughs> i thought you're gonna give me like 10 days of like recovery get acclimated and then start training but then we did this run i just felt like 
I'm, you know, it break up my mind, like I'm fit. I just keep going for training right away because there's no time to waste, which is, that's what the one thing I like about you just, you keep at it with your training. Now training, when I started training with Sarah, I mean, I felt that, that like you guys like one time having a training and if it didn't go well, you just, it's fine. Like you, you wait for the next week's workout. But mm -hmm. no, with Sarah and Ryan, they repeat the workout. <laughs> so I thought I should not feel bad any workout because I might repeat it. <laughs> so, throw it at you the next so, couple so days. So that's what I, I feel. I felt like it's, um, this is what, what they do, the professional. This is what Sarah is doing or even Ryan did when he ran the 206. It's just like you do the work. There's no shortcuts. That's what the, one of the things I found out. Like even when I go back, I'll take with me to DC. There's no shortcuts. Like you have to do the work. You have a stride. You have you do it after an easy run. You have a sprint. You, a hill sprint. You do it after the. Uh, you do it. You just there's no say. Oh, I'm not gonna do it today. Forget about it. Um, so that's the things I learned. Is there's no shortcuts with your training. That's the most important thing. I really mastered with training with Sarah up to leading up to the marathon project and. And I saw what it took Sarah. Like, I didn't see you, Ryan, while training for Boston. But if similar what you what Sarah's doing, well, that's what makes a difference on the, on the finish line, is the work that you guys have been doing. And, and it's like you do run and you're willing to do more reps. Yeah. And yeah. You, the first workout in Christview was, was uh, 800 by 10 and then Sarah was saying oh I would I want to do two more I said oh my god this is this training camp is gonna be long <laughs> like for me I always go with the minimum <laughs> so that tells you like someone who, who who is willing to go the long like longest distance the longest reps there's a willing to succeed more mm -hmm. yeah so just to fill in a few gaps for you guys we're gonna get into most stories so we're gonna you know start from the beginning tell this whole story but we're starting with the training camp but just fill in some gaps i had been training mo for how many years before like two years two years yeah and uh you know when covid hit he was supposed to run a marathon races disappeared so he ended up doing a time trial, ran 218 in practice, time yeah. trial. And he's trying to qualify for the Olympic team for Jordan, yeah. which is going to take about what? It's a, you're going for a white card with your federation, correct? Yeah, it's about the ranking. Like, um, I'm ranking now number, I think, um, sec first on the marathon category, but the uh, overall track and field third. So I need to... I need to hit the standard 217. The calculation by the IWAF, if I run 216.20, I'll be the one to go as ranking from Jordan for on the marathon for the Olympics. Yep, and he's also going after national record, which yeah. is what? Uh, 217, I have to break 217.15. Yep. The national record is 217.24. Yeah. So Mo usually trains out in the D.C. area yeah. and uh, want to take things to the next level. And with yeah. COVID, and this is the cool thing about COVID, I've always said, like, there's opportunity in the midst of every struggle. And I think for Mo, like, he had opportunities working remotely now, can travel wherever he wants. Yeah. So there's opportunity for him to come out here to Flagstaff, train with us, take his train to the next level. Because uh, even though I was training you online and, you know, we're corresponding a lot through our shared yeah. note and all that. But oftentimes, you know, like Mo's like, hey, something came up. Can I move my workout back a couple <laughs> days or a day or whatever? You know, there was a lot of adjustments, I think. Yeah. I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Like with our training camp, there are adjustments when need be, but it's pretty, you know, we don't, we're hitting it all the time pretty yeah. hard. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. That's what I'm going to take with me the last month of 
the, this build-up math and project number two is like <coughs> doing the work exactly on it, like prioritizing it because I came here, I saw how you guys do it, and it's it just I mean it just boosts your mental mental strength that you have to do the work. There's no way like saying Monday or oh, I'm going to switch it to Wednesday. Yep. And yep. then you don't do it or you end up not doing the workout. So, and I feel like if you want to do something, you just do it right. And that's how you guys are doing it. Like you guys are doing it 100% right. Yeah. So one of the things, Mo has a lot of impressive qualities about him. But one of the most impressive things for me is Mo's flexibility. Yeah. So Mo has dubbed our training camp. He named it Yo Man Training, which I just love that. I think that's the greatest name ever for a training group. <laughs> Yo Man Training Group. Yeah. So tell, tell everyone how you came up with the name Yo Man where that came from i arrived i remember i had october i think 9th to print to flagstaff then then i, I met you for when for 20 miles run back in the mountains and which uh, quick tip yeah people when they come to altitude oftentimes they will just run easy for like a week or two like mo mentioned earlier yeah. but what we found is if you do workout the first day you're up yeah it's it usually goes the best out of all the workouts in the week yeah. which is usually why i like to throw a hard yeah. long run like that yeah. or something really quality yeah. that first session but yeah we don't do the the usual protocol of just jog easy for 10 days so no and i think yeah. i think find it very beneficial like you you tell it's mental strength you tell yourself like you're ready you fit you don't have to like you know listen to your body i mean you listen to your body with training but not like the first day you get here and you're excited so you might as well just get a good week of training yeah i think there's such a huge mental component for people when yeah. they first get to altitude where yeah. they freak out mentally and there's like i expect yeah. to just feel terrible yeah. i'll be dying on every run i couldn't possibly do a workout you yeah. know and so i think just as long as you take away that mental component and you're just like, no, I'm just gonna be running 10 to 15 seconds per mile slower and I can yeah. train normally, just as long as your hydration's on point. Cause the thing is people do come up to altitude, they get dehydrated and then they do yeah. get in trouble. Yeah. So as long as your hydration is on point, you can really, I think, treat altitude very similar. Of course, you have to adjust workouts. Like you can't be banging super long intervals and stuff like that. But as long as you're adjusting pacing and adjusting the workouts, you really can train effectively at altitude. So, yeah. but yeah, there's a little bit of a mental component people have to get over, but that's a side note. So going back to yo man training, where that Yeah, and so after like a couple of days, you send me a message that yo man, um, um, <laughs> Sarah, wants to, Sarah wants to go up to Christy Butte. Um, for like on, three weeks, right? For three weeks, <laughs> and you said like you give me the date for first. You gave me. I said fine, I can do it. I mean, and I was like, we're leaving tomorrow. And then the <laughs> second day, you send me another. Oh, yo, man, we're gonna leave tomorrow. I mean, if you would like to stay at Flagstaff, uh, come up with us. So I was like saying, I haven't even adjusted to seven thousand altitude, and I'm going to almost not to sleep at nine and train at eight and a half. Mm. So. I mean, I just took the trip and I just made the reservations and I went up to with you guys and I just one of the best, one of the most um, most experience of, tri of my running career highlight to be honest. Yeah. Uh, the place Christie Butte is most beautiful place yeah. to train in. Yeah. Plus the training we had, the block we had was phenomenal yeah. work. We did a lot, lot of good work. Oh yeah, yeah, we love. We've been shooting up to Christie so, Butte a lot. Yeah. So after that, I just realized there's no like any plan we might 
line on my chain so you have to prepare yourself which is get you excited and usually the message that is telling you something's it's about to change is a text man. message that starts yeah. with yo, yo man, man. <laughs> sometimes you send me yo man and there's nothing afterwards <laughs> so i'm just preparing myself what could be like i would be like choices one the workout is no more workout today or something like happened but until you give me the change but it gets you excited for sure and yeah. um it's a funny thing with my boss because i have to block my time and I just keep changing it with my boss. And she said, like, can you, when are we gonna be done with this? But she was supportive um, um, with my training for sure, like giving me the flexibility to choose my hours. Yeah, and that's been huge, because, yeah, you know, sleep, we talk about that a lot, run free, and Sarah takes that super seriously, but she also has her nights when she's up for like two hours, and then, yeah. so then she sleeps in a lot later that night, so then I send you the yo man text, yo yeah. man, I know where you said we we're gonna meet at eight, but we're actually yeah. meeting at like 9.30 now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was, was was good. I mean, in terms of like, I woke up really early to be in East Coast time and just get my breakfast, a good breakfast that will allow to digest until Sarah wakes up. So, so uh, hardest workout you've done at Yo Man Training Camp? Um, the hardest one was, I think, what the math and simulation we did in Christie Butte. Which was? Was about 10 by 10. 10 miles at um, like 610. That was like 7.8 7 .8 elevation. Yep. And then we do 10 miles. Chain shoes, we're doing 10 miles at um, marathon pace, 525. Yeah. That was equivalent to 510 almost. Yeah. Um, we're just doing that like around a park, doing a yeah, whole bunch of loops more, around yeah. there. Um, and I remember like it just, it's very really, really motivating. Like even the, the loop was not that like exciting around it, but you know that like Sarah trained there for London. Yep. And um, so it just was a good lobe in terms of like getting, the str getting you stronger. The second workout that was tough, um, that was like when Christy, when the last long run was snowy, snowy in Christy Butte, so I did it on the treadmill. And Coach Ryan gave me, put the paces for me. And he said 24 miles, we're gonna do mile on, mile, mile hard, mile easy and didn't adjust the paces. <laughs> and for me, and I thought that's what he wants me to do, that to do five, like say 520, the fa fast, fast pace, and then six minute, the slow pace. So I did that for 24 miles, then I drove all the way from there to Flagstaff. I was sore for two days. <laughs> In fact, I, I couldn't even drive to Flagstaff because of the snow, so I had to stop somewhere. That was another Yeoman training yeah. uh, text. We were driving back from Crested Butte, yeah. and uh, we're driving through Telluride, yeah. and it, the snow just starts dumping. And like we're in a big old burly uh, Yukon with like big old burly snow tires on it, four wheel drive and everything. And we got behind a semi that got stuck yeah. going up this incline, it just stopped in the middle of the highway. Yeah. And uh, I texted Mo, I was like, yo man, <laughs> he's in this little rental, this little, I don't know what, you're in some old sedan. Yeah. And I was like, you might want to just stay until you're at it. I yeah. don't think you're gonna make it out. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have four wheel drive. Um, and I just had to stop in Telluride. I, mean, I didn't know that how, my, how beautiful it is actually. And I just stayed there almost for three days. Um, and I was running on the treadmill every single day. Yeah. So um, that's most secret training yeah. camp. And one of the things I forgot to check the elevation. And I was running on the treadmill, and then I'm just feeling like tired all the time. But I, but it was one of the best secret training camp because when I got back to Flagstaff, I did a tempo, and um, uh. 
in the Flagstaff and I just I was feeling good. Yeah. Feeling like the three weeks we stay in Christie Butte benefit a lot because when you come back here, the seven thousand is almost nothing to right. what we trained up there. Yeah, that's the beauty of training at nine thousand feet. And you drop down to seven thousand feet, you feel like you're at sea level, you yeah. drop down down to sea level and you're really rolling. So yeah. That's why we do the super altitude training. Um Going back to the hardest workouts, I think one of the most impressive workouts I saw you do actually wasn't even a key workout. So like Mo mentioned the marathon simulation, those are typically like the biggest, hardest workouts. Yeah. But leading up to that, we usually do like a short, easier workout, right? Yeah. The workout before that, try and set it up a little bit. Usually yeah. it's like a short threshold. So you guys did six mile threshold in the morning, then you guys came back and you did another six mile threshold, but up a mountain running from 7,000 feet up to 9,000 feet here in Flagstaff, going up Snowball Road. Yeah. So you did like back-to-back 10K thresholds. Yeah. And that was our easy setup workout. I was like, yeah, yeah. these guys are training hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, some, I mean, it just like, it's, it makes you like, sometimes like you just wanna like, I don't wanna even talk to Ryan. I wanna even text him because I'm just so tired of his workout, <laughs> the training that he gives me. The stuff that he pushes me on the training, and I'm so tired. But eventually, you just realize this is what works. This is what makes you strong. This makes yeah. you fast. Yeah. Um, so, and you just practice. Yeah, it's hard for me as a coach actually, because in real life, I tend to be a nice guy. I like to get along with people. I don't really yeah. like conflict a lot, you know. But as a coach, you know, sometimes I'll be on the bike and I see you suffering or Sarah suffering. And I'm like, I really want to adjust this workout, make it shorter, make it easier, you know. But I'm, I know that won't that won't get it done, you know. And and it, there are times when you need to adjust a workout, you know. Like yeah. if I see you falling apart, we're gonna stop, take a break, reset. We are gonna. Yeah. But if if you're doing well and we need to get through a certain amount of miles, even if you're suffering, we gotta just bang it out. And I just gotta sit on the bike and button up my lips and just yeah. just watch you suffer but it's not easy for me as a coach but having been there I think before myself yeah. I know like okay this is what it takes you know yeah. and there's a there's these moments that there's no other way around it like you said there's no shortcuts yeah you got to go through these workouts if you're yeah. gonna get the results that you want question for you I mean what are you, do you flipping the table on me Mo I thought this is my podcast no I guess <laughs> question I want to ask you all the time but I forgot because I'm so super tired of practice <laughs> okay when yeah, you okay. see it see me like running let's say not in phoenix let's just in flagstaff 525 pace and you were doing five, 440 pace yeah uh, not 440 well depends on the workout of the yeah so what, yeah. Do, what do you like, when you look at it how do you say like is it so easy like is it like what is this this guy is running 525 like i mean do you see it like so easy because it's for you is basically me six minute pace yeah well i i guess to answer your question i see what's possible right so i know like like you can run a lot faster i know that it's possible for humans to run a lot faster so i look at 525 pace and it's not a big deal to me but i know how it feels for you because you got to remember like i didn't like all of a sudden be able to run 15 mile thresholds at 448 pace at altitude right like there was a process in getting there and so i remember like when i was you know my threshold was 525 pace and i remember what that felt like and it feels the same in terms of effort and amount yeah. of pain and suffering 525 felt the same as 448 felt 448 even felt a little bit easier to be honest because i was wow. smoother more efficient in better shape so like that actually felt easier than some of my thresholds at 525 pace yeah. so i can more resonate with the sensation that's going on inside of you and so that's why like there's no 
different amount of respect I have for like you running 525 pace or Sarah running 525 pace or me running 450 pace. Yeah. Like, cause I know like we're going through the same exact sensations, right? Yeah. At a different pace, but we're battling the same stuff. Yeah. And that's why I like this podcast is cool. Cause it's, it's true across the board. It's like, you might think, oh, Ryan doesn't know what it's like to be suffering running eight minute mile thresholds. Yeah. But like that felt the same, it probably feels the same for you as it did for me. Like we're yeah. suffering in the same way, even though it's at much different paces. Yeah, so. fair enough. Good question. What? Do you want, do you have any more questions? Man? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's question is in my head all the time, but really? I, I keep forgetting asking yeah. you. <laughs> well, this is a good, t- I'm glad you asked it while we're mic'd up and doing yeah. this conversation. Um, all right, let's get into Mo's story. So you grew up in Jordan, what's that like? Jordan is um, it's in the Middle East border with uh, Israel, um, Palestine, Syria, Lebanon. Um, it's about 10 million population-wise. Uh, it's not it's not big as America. It's a very small country. Um, I mean, the best of Jordan is the hospitality of the people. That if you end up going to Jordan, you will notice that right away. Um, how kind people are and how humble and how like simple life is. So can you compare and contrast that with people in America? Like when you came here, were you like, ooh, people are like kind of cold and not that hospitable? No, in the US, no. I mean, it's definitely not, it's similar to Jordan. Like they talk to you, like you help into taxi driver. I mean, I was in, I grew up, when I came to the state, I I came to New York. Um, But even that, I used to go to like Oklahoma or go to California, it's the same thing. People are just more, more open, they talk to you, they want to know exactly where, you, where you're where from. I mean, sometimes it's like a funny thing, like if someone wants to know where you're from, he's like, where's this beautiful accent from? Mm-hmm. Just to know exactly where you're from, right. I mean, in a polite way to right. ask you where you're from. So it's very, I mean, I, I never felt any issues of terms of like, I'm not from the US and I always like people were coming. Except like, that friendly. one time, except that one time, Mo. Tell the people about, was it the first time you got pulled over? Oh, that one. <laughs> I was going That's to the JFK. That's a great story, guys. Yeah. Prepare yourself. That's a great story. I was still in my... I was going like my first year of my MBA, and then I was going to pick up my my dad from JFK Airport, and I was I was late because I was doing something at school, and I had to pick him up. So I was still not even... I was not sure like i mean i don't know how the highway works i mean i just when i, when I drove i drove like around long island on the campus in, in yit and stuff and then i i was along the highway i went to the hov lane that i don't know that you have to be you have to have like one more person yeah, like that yeah. so i wasn't that highway i was like ah, it's fine nobody gonna get me i just keep going fast because i need to catch up right. my, to get my dad i wanted to to be wondering where i am right and then that police pulled me over and I pull over from the HOV lane, and then I said, okay, wow. I mean, I, I stopped, then I get off the car. You got out of the car. The car to go back to him. To go. And then I saw him, like, putting his hand on his, uh, on his waist to- On his to holster. Pull, to, to, to grab his gun. To, to grab his gun. And I was like, okay, he's going to go back to the car. <laughs> So I was like, what did I do? So he's like yelling at you, yeah, right? Like, I mean, go back to the car. And then he said, <laughs> I opened, I said, sorry, but um, he told me, do not get out of the car when the police stops you. I said, well, back home. He said, no back home here. Here's America, no more back home. <laughs> so he was polite enough. I mean, he gave me three tickets. 
<laughs> one, because I was in the HOV lane and I'm not supposed to be. The second one, because I pulled from the HOV lane on the wrong spot. When you, you, when you, t- you want to take off from the HOV lane, you have to wait for the, the signal, the dot. Yeah. So I went, I just crossed. I thought, like, we have to, we have, I have to stop because right. of the police. The third one, speed up. So I got, like, I mean, about. That's a big ticket. Yeah, three tickets in the one day. Yeah. And, um, was your heart racing when he started uh, grabbing his gun? Of course. I mean, Anton, I mean, sec- I mean, that's the second time I got pulled over was in California. But I, I remember, like, I, I stayed in my car because um, <laughs> I keep telling anybody, like, when they come here, the student I meet, I just do not get out of your car because <laughs> you might be killed. Because, because it's, it's just different. Yeah. So it was funny. Like, no back home. You're in America. Were there any other uh, things like that, cultural experiences where you mess something up really bad? Um, I think that's one one really big one, but um, other than what that... What was the hardest thing to adjust to? Uh, when I got here, the, um, to learn English, to speak English yeah. fluently. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the things. Um, um, adjusting being a, like you have to do, because I was a student athlete, so... You have to be a good student and then be a good athlete to keep up your scholarship. Uh, I was in D2 school, wasn't that com- like competitive in running, was competitive enough. I was competing with the four yeah. Kenyans in the team. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, that was, I think was the, one of the biggest adjustments. It just uh, wasn't culturally shocked, um, but it's just like the amount of responsibility and pressure on you. Yeah. In terms of you go back home, you have to have the, the education plus keep up your scholarship. Yeah. So did you study English in uh, in school in the Jordan? Um, Jordan no, until high school. Like I, st- I learned English after high school. So before they teach you English in Jordan, it's basically just the grammar, just to just to talk in the airport. Mm-hmm. Just if the police caught you, you know how to respond to him, stuff like that. So uh, talk to us a little bit about the running culture in Jordan. How you got into running? Um, I used to be. I used to play soccer. Um, and then I love that by the way let's pause on that like you know parents listening to this podcast and stuff I think soccer is like the best thing you could have your kids doing in terms of like overall athleticism and like so many world-class marathoners runners came from a heavy soccer background Sarah played soccer a ton kids who come out of soccer just have this quickness and even like yourself like your speed is really good Um, so I love to have, you know, encourage parents, get their kids into soccer, such a great yeah. sport. Anyways, yeah. you're yeah. playing soccer. Um, so I played soccer, and then after that, I just started, like, feeling that I wanted to get an opportunity to go to go overseas to, to study um, my bachelor's. And and we had the cross-country world championship in Jordan. So I met, I was... Really? Yeah. When was that? That was in 2009. Oh. Wow. That was the so. Um, was in Jordan. Yeah, it was in Jordan. Yeah, it was the heaviest cross country meet that the IWF hosted. Wow. Did you go to it? I was there as a working with him. I worked with oh, the nice. with the with, with the organizer. So, and then one of the coaches, um, the American coaches, um, like the team were there. Like I think one of the. They told me about like if you if you run fast enough you can get scholarship in in the U.S. and you just have to apply and that helps you to to get into uh, mm-hmm. school school like with, without paying the full tuition. Right. So I started applying for school. Then one, of, I mean a lot of them turned me down. Some but one one coach he's from Jamaica, Coach Val sent me an email. He said if you run 26 for 8K, I give you a partial scholarship. 
And I said, fine, I can deal with it. I can work, I can get like the dorms figured out. Mm -hmm. I just have to go. Yeah. So I went there and I completed my education from just from running. So did you think about pl playing soccer as your ticket to go to school overseas or no? Um, I tried, I, I tried that, but they don't pay you as much as cross country. Like cross mm. country is more, it's like maximum you have like eight, um, eight athlete, like in, in the team or 10. Right. But, um, so, so that's what the main thing that I tried to go with the soccer, but I, I felt it like easier with the cross country. And I just love the idea of running I just started like running because it just it just I want to be myself. I want to be individuals. I want to do achieve something me, not like with others. I mean, it's not like I don't like teamwork. It's just I want to achieve it by by myself. Yeah, yeah. One thing that you know we talk about is how hard it is or can be to get into the sport of running. You know, usually it's like those first however many months or could be even six months. You know, is really rough getting into it because you're not that fit. So how was it for you getting into the sport from the soccer background? Did things just kind of like click pretty quickly yeah. or did you go Not through? Really. Yeah, training was tough. Yeah, I would remember when I went there, I went with a soccer short. I went to, I just uh -huh. to join a group um, uh -huh. in Jordan, just to start running to, and I was a little bit overweight for a runner. Like for a soccer, you're fine, you're muscular, like you have some like, like our body weight is fine. But I remember the coach, he said, uh, I'd advise you to run like for two months and then you can join the workout mm -hmm. with us. But, but now you're not going to handle the workout we're doing. Right. Um, and to, and to talk to that coach and whenever like something I post on Instagram or I come up with a new result, he just write like that he, how, how happy he is to see the progress. So yeah. um, it just, but it was not that easy, smooth transition. Like, like for example, like either you or Abdi. Like Abdi, he was standing in Phoenix. Like he just he was running on the track with jeans. <laughs> he was like running five minute pace. Yeah, it's just kind of <laughs> so, natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it didn't come really natural. I think um, so. It just with the hard work, I guess. Yeah. So how did college go for you? What were the biggest challenges you faced at college? Um, my major was in accounting, so it wasn't, it was like mainly numbers, uh, but I had a lot of courses where you have to do like a lot of writing and a lot of presentation for it. Um, it was a bit challenging for sure, like because I was doing, I was working in the library because we are only allowed to work on the, in the campus as an international student, we're not allowed to work off campus. Uh, so I was in the library or I was working for them in games, like volleyball games or basketball games, um, just to make up some cash. And, and plus you have to, I would stay like a lot of hours in writing center um, just to, to keep like um, with a tutor for, for writing. That helped a lot. And, but plus also we had to train. So the coach was not, I mean, was supportive for us. Coach Val was really supportive because he went through what we went. He was an international student athlete. So that was really helped um, for us to succeed, but um, but definitely it was like like sometimes I mean the bachelor's was not as hard as master's because I went right away to my master's degree my MBA program that was the hardest because when you when you're sitting in the classroom and you're the youngest in the class and you see like a CEO next to you CFO yeah you you in the group so that was a little bit tough for sure but uh, the one with the things like. I would talk to my teacher. I went to her. I went to her office. I said, "I want to stop the program because I just can't do it." It's just how like how competitive is it? Like people are going to explain about organization structure. They're talking about how 
you can develop a new accounting system within your company and then you have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> like I started accounting, but I don't know how to structure an entire organization right. and talk about um, um, what they do with their, with their companies. So, but I mean, here we are now. I mean, it yes. just takes step by step. So what was the trajectory of your running like through college and then as you transitioned out of college and into marathon running? Yeah, I mean, after the college, I said like, I'm gonna, um, I'm just gonna like run for marathons because the easiest way to train. I mean, um, maybe it was a wrong approach that I did. I should have sticked with the shorter distance to get the speed. But I went right away to, to marathon running. And my first marathon I was training for was Philadelphia Marathon, actually. I ran two hours 37 from off just like an internet workout. <laughs> just like Sunday, we go for long run. Uh, Monday, easy. Tuesday, I would just go for like a um, fart leg. And um, it's just like you talk to people, what are you doing tomorrow? I'll just do it. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, so. Loosely structured, it sounds like. Yeah, and then the last month of it, I was talking to a friend of mine. He's um, called Paul in New York. He started giving me like workout what they do the month before the marathon. Um, so I ran two hours 37. And then after that, I just decided I need to hop on it in a serious program. Like I need to just to do it. Um, but I wish like someone told me that at that time, like don't do math as yet. Mm -hmm. Like you're still mm -hmm. 25, 26 years old. Don't, don't go to that math yet. I mean, um, stick maybe with shorter distance and do, for example, a lot of like 10K, 5K track. Um, but the only problem is I, I left the U.S. after college, I went back home and the work was not as um, comfortable for running, I was traveling a lot. And one of the things that we would, I was working in Tunisia, I was running on, on, on the south of Tunisia and the borders of Libya and Tunisia, I was running on parking lot. And that's why you see me like sometimes <laughs> Christy View running in parking lot because that's what I used to do. And I'm laughing because we'd be in Crested View. It's like one of the most beautiful running locations in the entire world. I'm like, Mo, how's your afternoon run? Like, where'd you go? He's like, I just, I just did loops around the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because sometimes I have like a meeting, so I have to finish the run and go back. But yeah, so that's other, the other challenge I had, like the the condition where I was training that made me to run marathons yeah. after college. Yeah, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, working full-time jobs, traveling, yeah. and like trying to juggle how the heck do you train with all yeah. that going on. So what was helpful with that? Like how did you change your situation to be in a more lucrative position um, with running? I said like I need to look for, um, like talk to my, uh, my, my my wife fiance back then I told her like what do you think like we just talked about it and she said like you need to be in an like an office work yes yeah, boring for you you're gonna be bored but that will accomplish your goals like being in an office from nine till six or it's way easier than red eye flight to Tunisia mm. to places that yeah. you can't even run there's no track there's no room to train with um, so that's why I transitioned I said and I was talking back then with Coach Lee Troop. I was training with him, and he said it's durable. You can run to eight nineteen. The two nineteen mm -hmm. was back then the standard to qualify for the Olympics. Hmm. That's so the Olympic A standard. That, that's a B standard. Oh, okay, and B Jordan standard. never ever, I mean, went with the standard. Like yeah. we always, like, the fastest went to the Olympics was two twenty three to London mm. Olympics. Um, so, so that after that, I said I need to go back to the state and get a job and that what I like and um, and plus train yeah 
Oh, that's cool. I didn't know you trained with Lee. So that was, he was in Boulder, but training was Boulder, remotely. yeah. I visited him once in Christmas, yeah. and um, it was so funny with Lee that it's, in Christmas time, he, he threw a lot of parties in his house, uh -huh. and then he invited you to the party, and then the second day you have a workout. And I was like, coach, you invited me. And he said, well, you do the crime, you do the time. I was like, you invited me. So that was one of the things, like, um, good thing about Lee is just like how, how laid back he is as a coach. But uh, he also, he was, uh, he like, I developed a lot. Like, I started with him two hours 37. My fastest, I finished with him 227. Nice. Yeah, you improved yeah. a lot on him. Yeah, I, I love Lee. He's a yeah. great dude. Yeah. Those Aussies, they're fun. Yeah. <laughs> they do not party, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, so you're training with Lee, and then what brought you, so you crossed paths with Sarah at Mammoth Lakes. What brought you up there? I was training with Andrew Caster. Yeah, um, also yeah, awesome one, coach, yeah, great team. Yeah, Coach Caster is, um, is, is great about his, his structure program, and um, you stay healthy training with him, yeah. and you get like, stronger. So I trained with him also for a year. So this is interesting yeah. to me. Tell me a little bit more about how he trains his athletes. And the reason why I'm curious about this is so Coach Caster is Dina Caster's husband. Yeah. And uh, Andrew, you know, he was, he's Mammoth Track Club through and through. He's been up there for a heck yeah. of a long time. He was up there. When I was up there, he would be giving like me massage, helping Dean with his yeah. workouts. He wasn't coaching yet at the time. Um, but he was observing everything Dean yeah. was doing, you know. So from the V Hill days before Terrence took over yeah. the crew, and then under Terrence, like he was there, he saw everything, yeah. right? Like all the transitions and stuff, and all the different methodologies, training methodologies, and the training that I prescribe for you guys is built off of what I learned up there at yeah. Mammoth Track Club. But it sounds like Andrew and I do like have our differences in how we train. So if you like had to compare and contrast, even though like we again we both observed exactly how Dina yeah. set her American records, exactly how Meb trained, exactly how I trained, but our training systems are a little bit different. How would you say our training systems are different? Um, with Andrew, I have to say like when I I trained like I was solid training back in in for Chicago Math in 2017. Like you feel good like with the training. Like you don't feel burned out. So it keeps That's it pretty it light. Keeps it light, really light, and you go to race. So like shorter thresholds and stuff, or how does uh, he keep short, it light? Shorter threshold. Um, math and simulation. I remember I did only one, but also I mean what, my training was different. For example, the other guys he trains because they're different level. They were I, I was there only for two months of high altitude. So he was very cautious of getting uh -huh. stay, keep me healthy. Didn't give you twenty um, mile long run your first day. We up? no, he didn't. <laughs> I remember like he's just like we kept it. I remember I was I went to the track. He was coaching uh, one of his best athletes, Reed. Uh -huh. uh, uh, he did a workout there, and I was just doing an eight miles run, just chill and couple of stride and um, and even though I didn't start like doing any big workout until like after two weeks of on that. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one of the good things about um, with training with Coach Andrew is you you stay like you are always like healthy and and eager to go for another workout. That makes sense. Yeah. Sorry, I'm distracted. Do you have birds in here, Mo? No. What is happening? There's definitely a bird in here. That's a chair. <laughs> No. <laughs> wait, wait. All right, so we got a bird in the room somewhere. We're just going to let it go. <laughs> Sorry, I was distracted by that. Yeah. Now, that, that is interesting. That was just a question that I'm purely just, like, interested in, you yeah. know? Like how two people can see and experience something yeah. 
but then come away from that with very different kind of training philosophies yeah. and methodologies. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And Andrew does a great job. Yeah. I love I, mean, I PR'd when yeah. I trained with MAPR like almost two, almost three minutes yeah. when I went to Chicago. That's huge. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Why of just two months of training, um, I just I was in good shape. But when I start with him, was there's a, one of the things is this, you 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 stay like fresh mm. during mm. the workout. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. I like that. All right, so that that was interesting. Let's talk about. So you met Sarah in Mammoth. Where do you guys yeah. meet at? We met at a burrito place. Of course, yeah. uh, we're burrito people. And I just realized, like, I was looking at Sarah's dish. I was on my dish. My burrito was huge, <laughs> and she just asked, like, for uh, I think uh, not was she really asked for a burrito? Just like maybe like a um, soup with a with like I can't remember what she asked, but with salad. And I was like, okay, I mean, <laughs> you can tell who's. Who's who's better athlete? <laughs> but, Funny how runners we're we always are looking at other runners' plates, yeah. you know, to see what other people are eating. That, yeah, that's just like, and especially you know we're traveling to these major marathons and we're all eating meals in the same room and there's so much plate looking going yeah. on. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, anyways, Sarah's eating much healthier than you. Yeah. So you struck up a conversation. Was that the was that the line where you're like, "Hey, you're eating a lot healthier than me." No, I was just uh, talking, and you know, Sarah is very like, like always like happy to meet people and talk to people. And I, I was first time I met her in person, and um, and I asked her about about your pancakes strategy. (laughs) I said, "Does he eat pancakes like morning and at night?" She said it's different. Sometimes like breakfast, sometimes for dinner, and uh-huh. because one of the things about pancakes, I love pancakes. Uh-huh. I never ate it when I grew up, but when it came to the state, I just loved it. Oh uh, yeah. So we talked about that, and then she um, told me about you guys' foundation yeah. back in Ethiopia, uh, helping the um, the kids in Ethiopia just to have opportunities to have the basics needs. Yeah. So from there, we just kept in touch. Yeah. By email. Yeah. And you, you were you working with your foundation already at that time, or when did you start? Uh, foundation, I was, yeah, I was started with them in 2000, um, I think, 16. I was doing some work for them. Yeah, so and tell us about um, your foundation and the work you guys are yeah, doing. Yeah, I mean, the foundation is basically, it's, it's, it's ba- the, the founder of the foundation is a Lebanese. He was adopted by an uh, American family here in the U.S. Um, his dad was also Lebanese, um, so his dad went to Lebanon, adopted him and his um, kid and his brother and sisters from an orphanage in Lebanon. They came here, and then um, and then they started this foundation called the Abraham Anthony Foundation. It's based in Miami. I mean, they what they do is they help whenever who, anyone who needs. Who needs help? Like they, they very supportive for anybody who's looking for um, education. Like who can someone can get education? Reach out to them and they help them with education. For talking about people in the states or back in Lebanon um, or in anywhere Lebanon, in the world. Anywhere in the world, they okay. support like anywhere in the even the Puerto Rico. They have some project in Puerto Rico. Oh, cool. They have project in Lebanon. They have project in Egypt. Um, um, so they support any any other foundation and other people who in need. Yeah. How did you get connected with them? Um, I met him in Lebanon, uh-huh. Beirut Math, and um, cool. he was in the <clears throat> in the bus with me, uh, Tom, and he was asking me like, 
what do I have to do to run the marathon? I said, you have to stay hydrated and I will be <laughs> waiting for you at the finish line. <laughs> and then he didn't realize that I was actually at the finish line waiting for him and took him 10 hours. <laughs> what? You waited there for 10 I hours? Was, because I was like, I was like, I, I promised the guy I would be there for him. And I don't know who is he. I just like, I was just waiting. I finished, I was pacing Shireen, my friend. And, um, and um, and then I we finished and he stayed in the the VIP lounge just eating and, and waiting for him and he just came <laughs> and he got lost in the rain so um, well, so you were waiting for him for how long did your marathon take you um, we did like two streamed on two forty five that day I guess yeah, so you're waiting for like over seven hours yeah I just ate I went to the hotel I showered <laughs> and I came back and I was waiting for him and then from there he said like after that we went for like a uh, post race party for with the with the with with the marathon uh, organizer and he's always like I don't know that you waited for me I said yeah of course I waited for you I promised you I yeah. waited for you but I wasn't like in my mind I didn't even know he's gonna take ten year ten hours <laughs> so uh, from there not we to promise yeah. people that you'll wait for yeah them. so that's <laughs> from there we connected and then uh, we started like doing some um, some projects together um, we did um, um, we work a lot with Saint Jude. Nice. He, he does a lot yeah. of um, fundraising for St. Jude um, Hospital. Um, and to now, I work with them. They've been my sponsor, uh, helping me out also with my training. And just to make sure that I, I have all I need is to train for, um, to qualify for the Olympics. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Um, but yeah. That's cool that like they're about like education, helping other people all over the world, but they're yeah. also about like helping you like get yeah. to the Olympics and yeah. stuff. So is there like, are, it sounds like they're involved in the running space. So is there a way for like runners to get involved with what they're doing if they yeah, want to check it out? I think yeah, definitely there's a way. I mean, I um, we can put the website and they can reach out um, to Maybe them. Maybe just say the website because I don't have a show notes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just IbrahimFoundation.com. Okay. Yeah. So, but the thing is, with the foundation, they always like to support. Um, athletes who support other causes too like if you if you help out other projects and you need also the help from them for your project also for yourself so that's the thing like linking them to other projects that they can support that what they like nice. uh, because a nonprofit organization uh, just um, so they all support for people who support others too right yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, and I've seen firsthand like how supportive they've been of you and so yeah. I think uh very highly of them. So thanks yeah. for sharing about that. Yeah. So uh you know the the point of Run Free Podcast is like helping athletes from the inside out, right? Yeah. So there's I mean, we talked about this earlier in the podcast. Like I'm going through the same thing they're going through, even if it's at drastically different paces, you know? Yeah. Like you are up here doing some insanely hard training, right? So I've seen you personally been next to you on the bike when you're in the pain cave. So tell us about some of your tricks, tactics, tips for getting through the pain cave. I just sometimes speak in Arabic. Yes. Last workout. Okay, so Tell tell me what you're saying in Arabic, because I was like, I think he's speaking Arabic, but I can't tell because you also you like to yell out loud. Yeah, I yell because I'm in pain. <laughs> it's not like you yell to make your attention. It's just like I'm in pain, and and I think it's just when I yell sometimes, like when I it just to, to wake up my body just to stay in pace because I would love to all the time going to work out. I love to do the pace that I described. Um, or feeling good after the workout because as I am here, like I'm here, my my wife back in DC, 
and you're doing you have to do the work it's not like you it's an opportunity for you like you have to do the work so i push myself like i have to say like i try to look comfortable except especially if colin and like me taking photos <laughs> i just like feeling comfortable but i'm not <laughs> just See, what you really need is a photographer following yeah. you the whole way <laughs> yeah like when colin came the other day to the workout i was like feeling like comfortable chest up and <laughs> but when, good, when colin left and smiles. <laughs> when colin left i went back i was like start dying so there was a video i would make sure that nobody sees the pain but however it's 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 helped me and i'm not sure other people like to do that but um okay so what yeah. were you saying in arabic in the last workout i mean you said like yalla let's go uh, okay Yalla. Yeah, I feel like there's yeah. a bunch of words. And though. also, I was like, Yalla, like, Madalla Shishiv, yani, three miles left, or something like uh, that. Okay. Or I would talk to myself the way you talk to me. Uh-huh. But. Um, you repeat what I say, but in Arabic. You translate while we're out there. Yeah. Yalla, Sahel, Ktir Sahel, Shim, Shim, Shim. You tell me, like, take it easy. I was like, this guy, we take it easy. I'm dying. It seems easy. Look easy. I was like, I mean,. <laughs> it's really like what I love about having a coach next to you is just like make sure that you are pushing yourself yeah. and this you're pushing the limit yeah. and I'm sure that even I'm sure that I can do faster than that but it just we all listen to our legs and sometimes you shouldn't yeah just yeah. keep going because that's what you're gonna do in races yeah and sometimes you need someone to kind of like like you're saying like the yelling like wakes your body up and gets yeah. you out of whatever funk you're in you know i think a coach can also do that too where it's a little bit you know they yell something at you and just kind of like snaps you out of this lull that you're in you know yeah because i think it's everything the way i see it is mentally your body's tired from a lot of training a lot of long runs a lot of miles high being held at you doing your work on on the laptop and but your mind is thinking about olympics Mm -hmm. your body doesn't think about the olympics yeah so you transfer i transfer that from my mind to my body just to keep pushing because that's what i want that's what myself i want to go to the olympics yeah my body doesn't care yep totally so so let's talk about motivation you know like even though you're motivated for the olympics right like that's a heavy motivator for sure but i mean even that like i can speak to that like sometimes even that's not enough you know where you just wake up and you just feel super tired it's like i don't feel like going for a run right now so when you're having those moments you're just having a hard time just like getting yourself going or you're going to work out and going into it maybe feeling a little bit tired like what's going through your mind what do you tell yourself to get yourself through those um sometimes i reach out like talk to people Mm -hmm. like just to chat i don't tell them like oh i'm feeling bad i want to talk to you No, just talk to people and start bringing up the conversation about your training how you're feeling and then they might say a couple of key words that motivates you that like what you're doing is great and then secondly you feel good so i do that a lot like that's why i feel like mentors are um are good as coaches could be like good mentors so yeah. I, that's why i keep saying surround yourself with people who push you a distance yeah it's not like people who doesn't know what you're doing so <clears throat> i have a mentor like um back home coach osama and i have a mentor in paul in new york so these people have been like really supporting men like a mentor wise yeah. like <clears throat> you keep keep saying coach osama keep texting me he said you've been you coached by the one of the best coaches in the world like you have the opportunity to do it just keep doing it so um unfortunately it was, it was about COVID. he would be here but with COVID, yeah. he couldn't be able to yeah. be with us this time so 
Um, so I think just surrounding yourself with people who push you the distance, yeah. that's one of the key um, fact that where I am now with the running, I mean. Yeah, that's cool, that's such good advice. And I think it's super helpful that like, you can just pick up a phone and call these people, you yeah. know? It's like, it, obviously it's better if you're in person with people, but yeah. that's cool that like, you're still connected with them even in the COVID season, yeah. you can still just pick up the phone and call them. And yeah. I kind of like your tactic too, where you're not necessarily being like, hey dude, I'm really struggling, <laughs> you know? but you're just like, you just know, hey, I just need to like talk to this person. Like, let me yeah. just give them a call and reach out. That's cool. Yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, overcoming hard races. So obviously, you know, you had a bit of a bummer of a race at, at a marathon project. What has helped you? Like, you bounced back from that super quick, by the way. Like, that was a big disappointment, right? Like, yeah. we had big goals. You were super fit going into it. Like, we knew you could run 217. Like, you were a couple minutes in front of Sarah and all of her stuff, and she ran yeah. 220, right? So yeah. we knew, like, you, you were ready to reach your goal. And then things did not play out how we were hoping. So talk a little bit about how, what, the, what those moments, the day, maybe after the race, what that was like for you emotionally, mentally, and then how you picked yourself back up after that and got yourself back in the position you are now, which is you know back cracking in super good shape and ready to make another yeah. run at your goals. I mean, I've, this is one first time I drop out from a race, uh, my entire like all my races. Like I had a one bad race was in London because of the weather, um, I ran 2.30. Um, that was, I, I, I finished that day. So this time I, I just couldn't finish. There was something wrong, I don't know what is it. Um, I, I didn't feel good two days before the race. I got feel sick, I saw the just normal flu, or like all of that stuff, but I wasn't sure what exactly going on until I finished the race and went to the ER. I, I was tested by positive by COVID, um, which was crazy because you had already had two two tests yeah. that were negative um, yeah, that and week. Yeah, and the hotel we were in, like the organizer of Mountain Project, they did everything possible to keep us healthy. Anyway, everybody was healthy except me. I was I got it. I don't know how I got it. So, um, so it just like advice for people: like if you feel like symptoms that you never felt before, check go to the hospital mm -hmm. and get checked it out right away. So like. Your symptoms, like you had low back stuff, right? Lower back, like sharp lower back. I took uh -huh. painkiller, didn't even go. And I was like, I wake up at 1 a.m. before the race, uh, the time of the race. And I was like, I don't know what I can do. I just let me just, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to go and start the race. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't feel like 1% um, that it could be COVID. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, after you've already had a couple negative tests and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so Mo rolls in after his warm up and we're talking and stuff. And I could tell something wasn't quite. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know. I've never. I guess I saw you before uh, Berlin Marathon. Yeah. You didn't seem nervous before that. But for yeah. some reason, you seemed like really nervous. Yeah. And I thought you were just nervous. Yeah. And so you didn't tell me you weren't. You hardly slept at all the night before, and you were. I just felt like it's stuff. like um, you, you had like a Sarah um, yeah, and yeah. running, and we were like logistical. See, like nothing can be done, and then we agreed that what I did is it's good. Like you just went out. I mean, if I knew it was COVID, I wouldn't even be right. stopping at the start right. line. Um, so just to try it out, but I realized like when I started running 5.15 and then 6.16, I knew that there was something totally wrong, so yeah. I pulled out right away. Yeah. Um, but coming back, after that I just, I uh, was trying, when I, when the hospital called me to say you come back with COVID, I started calling people, reaching out to people, they, that was like something 
concerning for me. They didn't get it for me, the people who yeah. I met, yeah. um, the guys I met like face to face. So after that, I just stayed quarantining in the, the hotel, the same race hotel. It was really tough because you are there where all your dreams like just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. nothing, what are you working for? It just disappeared. So I was there for 10 days or 12 days quarantining. I was like, I drafted the message to, to, to you, to Ryan, like, I just want to know what I do it. I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, let me sleep on it. <laughs> so I sleep on the message, I won't send it. And then I said, like, um, then I start like talking to you and talking to Sarah and talking to people and just to feel good, better about it. But, but this was really tough because you, you don't know, like, it's not your fault, it's just something like a bummer. Yeah. So like bad yeah. luck. Yeah, it's really so bad luck. It's not like yeah. I went like with the two ten guys and right. then I pull out. Right. It's just like I couldn't go even with say, with the, with the two twenty group, right. two nineteen group. I was struggling with that. But what it, it makes me like to get out and just go and train again. I called you. I called you. I said I'm gonna come back to Flagstaff. So I think if I didn't come back to Flag and do the work again, I would have not. Like, I wouldn't reach to where I am right now. I mean, until now, I, you still feel like you're not fit as before the marathon project, but I could be wrong. You never know. I've been training in high altitude all my workout now. So we'll see how that goes. But it's just like, as I said, go back to the people who can push you the distance. Don't just stay by yourself and then say, oh, I don't want to do it. And because then every day nobody cares if you don't do the work nobody cares instagram photos are nice but people <laughs> care about results yeah yeah so what was it like coming back from covid in terms of like energy um how you're feeling on those runs Cause observing it from like a coaching perspective like you said like you're you're very if you're not back into the same shape you were before the marathon project you're super super close now and every week you're getting better and better and looking better and better so you're just trending super well right now we're still six weeks out from your marathon coming up so you're sitting in a really good spot now but it wasn't necessarily like that right after you had covid so maybe you know for people who are going through covid or will go through covid in the future maybe walk through them like for them what they can expect to feel like um, coming back post-COVID? Um, I think it's just like, don't think too much about it, overthinking about it. Make sure you, you listen to your body, you you consult your doctor, um, uh, update them like every two weeks on how things going. Like I had a two, two appointment with my doctor um, after I finished my quarantining and also after two weeks, two weeks from that. Um, I would just say just go to a place where you you feel like happy and feel mm-hmm. comfortable like I went to California I saw some of my relatives there and um, I ate a lot of falafel that my coach Ryan <laughs> was not happy about like oh are these falafels cooked by water like steamed doesn't know by oil he is sending me these <laughs> falafel pictures as he's in the quarantine not running at all and <laughs> they're just boiling in all this oil and I was like Mo, what are you doing? <laughs> no, but it helped actually. It helped just to eat something comfort like... Comfort food. That's what yeah, they call it, comfort yeah. food, right? Um, so, um, so that's helped a lot, like, and just relax a little bit. Do a couple of, like, um, recovery sessions just by yourself rolling, getting by your body back to it, back to training. So, but definitely listen to your body. But the one thing that Coach Ryan was saying, like, we need to get back to the horse like, right away. Mm-hmm. And that helps a lot, like, to yeah. tell you body that you should just 
you keep going. Yeah. Um, what did we do? We took like a week off and then started just short, easy runs, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah just we just kind of slowly worked into it. Yeah. So and that's why I keep saying like having like having a coach or mentor that always helps because you they get back to you. Like they will tell you how to get back to it. They will right. um, take you through the process. And so. they're just kind of looking at big picture. I mean, when I was telling you like, hey, we should probably like get going here a little bit. I was just looking at like, at that time we we're thinking about running Atlanta Marathon, yeah. which just happened. So that was really coming up like fairly yeah. quickly. Yeah. So that's where I was like, if we're gonna have a shot at this, it's kind of now or never, yeah. you know? And I think it does help, like you're saying, to have a coach who's looking at the big picture yeah. And either telling you, hey, we need to get going, or telling you, hey, like, we need to take a break now, or, you know, whatever's right yeah. for the big picture is yeah. just super, super important. Yeah, so what helps is definitely, like, I spoke to my, my wife and take my, my mentors, they say, go back to Flagstaff, go back to train with Ryan again, because if you, he's with you, you'll do the work, um, especially with the transition. Like, if I had a PR or go back to DC, I'll be motivated to train again, come back here for training camp stuff, but. Where I am, I was needed to go back to Flagstaff to get back to training. It was a little bit tough to get back, and but um, yeah, Sarah was taking it to you, and your those a few of those early workouts. Huh? I mean, Sarah <laughs> led the workout. The, the first two weeks, she was leading my workout. And she usually doesn't happen. Usually, we're <laughs> spotting mo a couple minutes, or they're yeah, duking so, it out. Um, so yeah, definitely was. Um, it just it, it's good to get back to sit back and just to see where you were and where you where you are now and um, uh, but it took some times and every day like as I said like I'm feeling better last threshold was yeah. good so we'll see how it goes in the upcoming five weeks yeah well I was just I'm proud of you for not being frustrated with where you're at coming back coast post-COVID, especially in those first early weeks when your thresholds and your workouts weren't that good, you know, to not be like comparing yourself like, oh, a month ago, I was just running X pace and now I'm not even close to that. And then you get frustrated and then you lose momentum and mentally, that's when things just collapse when you start comparing yourself to your previous self. So I was really proud of you for just being like, this is where I'm at. I'm just going to put my head down, keep working and look for progress. Yeah. I, th- I thought that mindset that you had was super, super helpful. So uh, last question here. Tell us about your, your dreams for this marathon coming up in April and then with uh, the games hopefully coming up. Um, I mean, my, my dream is to, to hit the national record. I mean, two, week, two years ago when the IWF changed the standard from 219 to 211, um, my next my goal was like okay i want to hit the national record now I was, my goal is not like 218 or 218.59 my goal is to hit the national record and um set the bar high and um for for the generation back home like yeah. okay so so that's my hope is to run 217 10 217 15 so we'll see how it goes um, i'm excited for the next opportunity and um yeah well uh I mean, sure, we'll talk about it once it's confirmed and officially happening. Yeah, yeah. Lots to look forward to, man. I can't wait to watch you roll in yeah. this, uh, this marathon we're doing, Eugene. Any, uh, any things that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? Um, any other insights from Yo Man Training Group? You just, like, you always have to 
like I see keep going like I feel like what I learned a lot from training with you guys is just don't think about it you have to do the work yeah yeah um, so yeah, it's so easy to overthink things sometimes yeah. and I think most athletes don't realize how hard they can train if yeah. it's support there's a big if if it's supported by good nutrition and good sleep like if you got that part dialed in I think you can train it way higher level than you think so yeah. and yeah. I think we've seen that with you like your training is super super high level right now and getting really nice improvements so yeah so we'll see how it goes I mean I'm excited um, going back to sea level uh, to train in like in a little bit doing some high workout in sea level in Washington DC um, so yeah well uh, but I'm excited to get back to that race and prove to myself that I can do it yeah 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 well Mo super proud of you man oh, thanks it's been thanks fun for to, me. to have you in Flagstaff I'm so yeah. pumped that we got to train with you I feel like we developed years and years of memories over the last however long yeah, it's well, been six seven just, months you see the we, we saw each other almost every day yeah yeah training together and um and I, it's a, unfortunately, like Sarah is now training for like faster stuff, but hopefully yeah. we'll get back together again. Yeah, yeah, we need to get you summer. guys duking out. Sarah and Mo have this little competition, this friendly so competition. Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah, Tuesdays, track Tuesdays. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it's been cool. awesome you, having you up here, man. And thanks for being a part of the Run Free community. I know oh, thanks, all of us thanks. listening to this podcast, Run Free Athletes, will be pulling for you in this marathon and then hopefully watching you on TV. You're going to be on TV, Mo, at the, in the Olympics. Yeah, so hopefully you know, I hit that, that ranking and then we'll be there. Yeah, and then you're going to have to look really good. You said you're really good on camera, you know. Yeah. <laughs> make it look easy, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, that's what the hope is. And uh, we'll make sure, like, maybe bring Chad with us. To, uh, yeah, to, uh, coach Chad, yeah. to go all the way with me to the Olympics, just take That'd photos. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And I can eat all the falafels, can I? <laughs> okay. After your race, you can have, we can have a falafel okay. eating competition. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll do that. All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks Ryan. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, happy training.